In Judges 3.31, Shamgar struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad and saved Israel. Then in Judges chapter 10 and verse 7, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the sons of Ammon. And we've looked at in the last couple of weeks the delivery into the hands of the Ammonites and how Jephthah destroyed the Ammonites, gained a great victory over them. And in Judges 13, we come back to look at the Philistines. It seems to me that You've got God at the same time raising up the enemy in the east, the Ammonites, the enemy in the west, the Philistines. But first, the text deals with the fight against the Ammonites, and then we turn to deal with the fight against the Philistines. In Judges chapter 13 and verse 1, Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. That's double the amount of time of the next uh, period of oppression in the book of Judges. It was 20 years in the case of the Midianites and Deborah and Barak, but now it's 40 years. And it's interesting, almost every other time in the book, when God delivers the people into the hands of the Midianites or into the hands of the Moabites or into the hands of the Canaanites or whoever it was, we read the people crying out to God to deliver them. You do not read that here. It appears that not only was the oppression twice as long as any of the others, but they seem to be sort of content and complacent to be slaves to the Philistines. In fact, in chapter 15, when we get to that point, we'll see that even very vividly demonstrated. They don't want to be liberated. They prefer being in bondage sort of makes you wonder if some of us don't prefer being in bondage to the devil much as they preferred Philistine bondage. So this is a very serious, sad time. And in verse 2, there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had borne no children. And we're going to read about Zorah and Manoah both mentioned in the very last verse of this overall section, 1631. And that kind of marks out for us this four-chapter section as dealing with the Philistine oppression and Samson, the one that God raises up to begin the deliverance of the people from the Philistines. You've heard a lot about Samson. We're going to look at him over the next uh, few weeks. But uh, Samson was a man who really reminds me a whole lot of the nation of Israel itself. Samson, for example, was born miraculously by the will of God. He was called to a life dedicated to God, just as Israel was born by the act of God and was called to be dedicated to God. But Samson went after foreign wives, just as the Israelites went after foreign gods. As a result, the Lord abandoned Samson when he didn't even realize it. Just as the Lord had abandoned Israel and they didn't even uh, realize it. And both Samson and Israel ended up being enslaved to the Philistines. When God raises up deliverers for the people in the book of Judges, the deliverers look a lot like the people they were delivering. And as we pointed out, the cycles get lower and lower and lower. So the quality of the judges and the deliverers get lower. 
In verse 2, there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and now you shall not drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. God brings life out of barren places. He provided a future for Manoah and his wife where no future had existed. They were barren. They were unable to have children. But God came to Mrs. Manoah in the form of this angel and told her that she was going to have a son. God often utilizes the most difficult and unpromising moments and the most obscure and anonymous people to powerfully accomplish his purpose. We never find out Mrs. Manoah's name. And we don't know much about this family. We know they're from the Danites, which were probably, when it's all said and done, the least successful of all the tribes. And yet it's from this tribe, from this family, who was barren, that God says, I'm going to raise up my deliverer. He gives this mother some instructions. She was not to drink wine or strong drink, nor was she to eat any unclean thing. Now, Samson was going to be a man consecrated to God for his entire life, but that consecration needed to begin with his mother. She needed to abstain from strong drink and from unclean things. Really, that's what all Israelites were supposed to do, but there's no indication that the Israelites were very concerned about following the will of God at this point in their history. And then he says that the, the boy... He would be a Nazarite to God. The Nazarite vow is found in Numbers chapter 6. It was a vow that would be made by an Israelite for a limited period of time. They would, during the time period of the vow, they would not cut their hair, they would not touch dead bodies, and they would have no contact with products of the grape, whether the grape itself or the wine that would come from the grape. That was... The Nazarite vow it was a special time of consecration to God. And people would choose to make a vow to God for maybe a week or a month or whatever. And, and that would be the, the rules during that time period. In this case, there are several unusual features of Samson being a Nazarite. In the first place, it was not a voluntary thing as it normally was. He was ordered by God to be a Nazarite. And this Nazarite vow was from the moment he was born. It was not something that he chose later. And it was to be permanent. It was from the day he was born till the day he died. He was to be a lifelong Nazarite. There's only perhaps a couple of others of those that we read about in the entire Bible. 
And, in this case, rules are given to his mother, as well as to him. Notice what the purpose of calling him would be. In the end of verse 5, he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He was not going to completely deliver them, as the other judges had apparently done. He was just going to begin the deliverance work from the Philistines. It would have to be completed later. And so this this is the tremendous announcement that was made to Mrs. Manoah. And she goes and tells her husband. In verse 8, then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you have sent come to us again, that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came the other day has appeared to me. Then Manoah arose and followed his wife, and when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come to pass, what shall be the boy's mode of life and his vocation? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman pay attention to all that I said. She should not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine, or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Let her observe all that I commanded. Manoah wanted more instructions. He wanted to know further about this miraculous child that was going to be born. And so he prayed to God about it, and I'm not sure what to make of this, but it's kind of interesting. The angel appears again to Mrs. Manoah. (laughs) Manoah wanted to see the angel, but he appears again to his wife, and she goes and gets him, and he comes. And he asks for instructions. And I'm not sure what to make of this either, but the instructions were essentially the same ones that he'd given to Manoah's wife. He really didn't add anything to those. In verse 15, then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you so that we may prepare a kid for you. Now, the idea is, you know, can you you stay and eat a meal? I think that's what he's more or less asking. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? so that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it's wonderful? So Manoah took the kid with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. (laughs) When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah or his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die, for we've seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear things like this at this time. So when Manoah prepares the burnt offering and he's burning this altar or this animal up on the altar, the flames going up like flames always go, the angel somehow incorporates himself into the flame and he goes up to heaven in the flame. And that's the end of the encounter with the angel. And Manoah is spooked by that. He recognizes this is no ordinary angel. This is a representative of God. And, and he's, he's scared. Well, You know, nobody's allowed to see 
a manifestation of God this close and live. So he thinks they're going to be killed. And I think his wife used pretty good logic. She said, well, you know, God would not have accepted the sacrifice, nor would he have appeared twice to us, nor would he have promised a son to us if he was going to kill us. That seems like pretty good reasoning to me. And sure enough, they don't die. In verse 24, then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtel. Samson's birth was an amazing thing. In every way, God gave the child to Manoah and his wife in a miraculous way. He was called and commissioned by God before he was ever born. He was filled with the Spirit of God from his early days. As we continue reading the story of Samson, he was given extraordinary capabilities and unusual opportunities. And he received, in the book of Judges, more attention, more space than any other judge. He was was truly a special child, a special man, one that has everything to be extremely successful in the work of God. Now what I want to do in the remaining time this morning is to suggest two lessons from this story. I want to first of all suggest that there are some lessons in this on raising children. First of all, I think it's very interesting that Samson's mother was probably given more instructions than they gave for Samson. Look at verse 4. Now, therefore, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Verse 7. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and now you shall not drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. And then in verse 14, when Manoah asked specifically instructions about the woman, or about about the son, rather, the angel says, She should not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing, let her observe all that I commanded. He doesn't even give instructions about Samson to Manoah. He gives instructions on how mom is supposed to behave herself and what she's not supposed to do. There is a great need when we raise children for our own personal consecration and dedication to God. That's not a surprising thing, I know. But that is such an important thing. We often, when we think about raising children, we think about what we want our children to be. But it seems to me that this story is teaching us that the first thing we need to think about is what we need to be. We we often, and probably all of us have done this somewhere along the line, we want our children to be something different from what we are. Now, I'm not talking about we want them, you know, to get a college education and we didn't, or we want them to, uh, you know, learn a different trade than we did, or or we want them to maybe have a certain ability that we didn't have. I'm not talking about that. But we think that we want them to be morally and spiritually different from us. It seems to me like that's not the place to begin. The place to begin is not with, well, I've got this image of you, son or daughter. I want you to be a truly spiritual Christian. That ought to start with us. Do we live, parents and grandparents for that matter, do we live in ways that we don't want our kids to live in? Would we be upset with our children 
if they acted and lived like we do. I'm not talking about age-appropriate things. I understand there may be some things that we can do that we wouldn't want our two-year-olds doing, you know, light a fire or something that way. But I'm talking about morally and spiritually. If they started following our example down the line, would we be upset about that? What if they used the kind of language we use? Would we be upset about that? What if they saw the kind of TV shows and movies that we see? Would we be upset about that? What if they had the personal habits that we have? Would we be upset about that? Do we want them to have the same degree of devotion to prayer and to Bible study and to worship of God and that sort of thing that we have? The instructions started with Samson's mother. What she should be. And if we want to raise our children in the way of God, the first step is we've got to get in that way ourselves. We need to change ourselves and consecrate ourselves to God. Because that's going to be a whole lot better way of helping our children be what they ought to be. I'm also impressed with verse 8. When Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you have sent to come to us again, that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. Is there not some value in learning what to 